Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. After efforts this summer to find a solution to people sleeping in parks and public spaces across Northumberland, a group of concerned citizens got together to propose a solution. Sleeping cabins are small huts of less than 100 square feet that provide a secure, safe place for those who are homeless. These cabins are already being used in Kitchener, Peterborough, and Kingston with some success. They are widely used in the United States. A group called Northumberland Sleeping Cabin Collective is currently touring one of these cabins around the county, trying to build support for a similar project. Have a listen to Megan Sheffield, as she describes the group's current plans and what they hope to achieve. I'm so pleased to have with me today Megan Sheffield, a member of the steering committee for the Northumberland Sleeping Cabin Collective. Welcome to Consider This Northumberland. Thanks very much for having me, Robert. I appreciate it. Megan, let's start with the basics. What is a sleeping cabin? Well, a sleeping cabin um, is a it's a heated insulated approximately eight by ten um kind of mini home it's a one room cabin um no no plumbing but electricity um heat insulation a locking door um and so it is a really great upgrade from a tent it's more secure it's it's um safe it's warm And so, yeah, it's an improved living situation for folks who are currently trying to shelter in tents or outside. And and what are the what is the purpose of a a sleeping cabin beyond uh, what you've just described here? What is it trying to address? Well, I think a sleeping cabin is an emergency response and, and a transitional solution for the housing crisis that we're seeing Um outside in our own neighborhoods here in Northumberland, um, where folks who have um, lived here their whole lives, have been working here, raising their families here, um, have lost their housing for one reason or another and aren't able to get back into that housing market and um, aren't able to be sheltered in um, the, the emergency shelters that currently exist for a variety of reasons, some of which include just they've run out their time. You know, there's a limited time that a person can um, stay in a shelter. And if, you know, after three months, they haven't been able to find a next step stable housing solution, oftentimes they can wind up outside. And so, um, yeah, this is this is um, not the ideal solution. I think an ideal solution would be um, more affordable housing um, that is is truly affordable, um, that is offered without discrimination to people who um, 
maybe receiving social supports and um, that is, you know, safe, stable, adequate, accessible housing. And um, that ideal solution is, is still a long-term goal, I think, for the Northumberland Sleeping Cabin Collective and anyone else who looks at this issue really wishes that um, that that was available right now for our neighbors who are um, living outside, but um, that's not the case. And so um, without that available, um, we're looking at what is an emergency response. And, um, and I think that people living outside in a tent in Northumberland in the winter time is an emergency. And so um, we got to look at emergency measures. And, and this is um, one that um, has been has been um, put into place in other communities in, around Ontario, and that um, our our neighbor neighbors and members of the steering committee who are currently unsheltered feel is a good option for them. Where do they come from? Uh, do you mean like the idea? The cabins. That, no, the cabins. Like like physically. Physically, how, where do they come from? Yeah. Okay. So um, different communities have have um, put in you know put in installed different um, types of cabins. So um, in Kingston, for instance, they have sort of um, purchased modular cabins that were able to install in place. They came from a company in Niagara and were shipped to Kingston and kind of put up that way. Um, and in um, Kitchener-Waterloo, they purchased um, their original cabins from a Mennonite builder. And in Peterborough, it's been done with volunteer um, labor and donated materials. And that's the model that um, seems to be falling into place here in Northumberland. So um, yeah, I think it, 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 each community has, has, you know, drawn on the resources of their own situation and, and installed differently, but they're all approximately the same size. You know, they're under a hundred square feet and they all have those, those key pieces about a locking door, um, heat and insulation and electricity and the concept is that it's it's really a place to sleep and keep your belongings and then um, there is shared or or common um, uh, kitchen and washroom spaces how much do they cost that's oh so that directly ties to um, the last question because of that that variation in how they have been um built basically and so in Kingston for instance it was close to $20,000 because they they had sort of outsourced um uh that job and their funding model it, you know is really unique there it's funded through the city um at their single tier municipality and um elsewhere um with you know with volunteer labor plus um materials the cost was much lower and so in Peterborough, they just um, launched their first cabin and the cost, I think was $6,500, um, which they said was actually a bit more than they had expected. And that was related to materials cost and, um, and shipping, what's it called? Supply chain, supply chain issues led to a higher cost. That is, that is based on our research, um, and the offers from local business people that we've had, um, that is, that's really close. We're looking at about $6,000 per cabin um, here in Northumberland.
besides the cabin there is there a bed inside and is, uh, is who pays for the bed like is there furniture like a little you know i i'm not familiar with what's inside you know what, yeah. what are those amenities and how much do they cost yeah so there will be basic furnishings um provide provided you know a lamp and um bed um bedding as needed that kind of thing and um we have actually um had the beyond the blue box step up and say hey if there are certain things that you need let us know give us a list and um we'll start you know gathering supplies on your behalf so so that's been really generous and um that side of things honestly i think is going to be easy um okay. to provide yeah is that though part of the six thousand or is that going to be in addition to that would be an addition and okay. and beyond the blue box has offered to um yeah like to collect those for us free of charge all right and what about uh land and utilities like you said they, they have electricity for the heating how, how does that work and what sort of costs are involved in that yeah so some of that is yet to be determined because we haven't um confirmed uh location yet um currently we're in the process of of meeting with and um yes seeking um property owners and you know organizations that that might hold property who um would be open to hosting a sleeping cabin community um and so some of those questions will will be easier to answer once we're talking about a specific location and whether or not it's serviced um for example or um yeah what yeah just what the needs are and what the requirements are of the of the property owner in terms of compensation for using the land and that kind of thing okay so have you gone to the to any level of government to seek public lands or or government lands or uh that approach um uh, uh i'm just curious you sound like you're going to individuals and property owners yeah there was a bit of a um delay when it came to engaging with the municipalities just while um the uh, electoral period was underway um and so we are beginning to meet um with municipalities and to to look at lists like the one that Coburg has compiled that is an inventory of um, land that possibly could be used for affordable housing. And um, at the time when staff created that list, I don't think that they had sleeping cabins in mind exactly. Um, but part of what what we're doing as a collective is is letting people know that this is a this is a viable option that could help to um, um, meet an, an immediate need while more long-term solutions are put into place. And so we're hopeful that, that that's a possibility, but yeah, in the meantime, we have been meeting with, with um, more like private institutions and organizations that um, are excited about what we're doing and interested to see if there's something that they could, you know, potentially offer. So who is this group called the Northumberland Sleeping Cabin Collective? Who are they and, and what's their, what is their mission? Yeah, great question. Yeah, I'd love to pull back the curtain. So um, I would say that this group came together um, this past summer during while conversations were ongoing, um, especially in Coburg at the um, uh, municipal level about um, the town's response to people who were living outside. And um, 
so there was kind of a series of meetings, um, both um, at um, Coburg Town Council and at the County Council, um, basically asking for a different response than just enforcing um, bylaws that prevent camping and pushing people along. And um, that was ultimately kind of unsuccessful um, from the citizen side in terms of asking for a different response to um, people who were unsheltered. And so um, then, you know, the, the um, neighbors who had been working on that um, kind of political advocacy campaign um, began to um, look at, you know, well, then what can be done? So that option, the option of letting people shelter in peace has been turned down. What can be done? And and um, someone, I, I can't remember exactly how it came about, but there was a podcast episode shared around um, that was interviewing someone who had been a really integral part of the um, community, the sleeping cabin community in Kitchener Waterloo um, which is called a better tent city and um, a better tent city came out of a basically citizen action um, of people just trying to respond especially in the very early days of um, the COVID pandemic people responding to um, the encampments in their own neighborhoods and basically trying to to make things better and bring some kind of ease. And so they actually began by sheltering people inside a warehouse. So folks set up their tents inside a warehouse that had, you know, washrooms and, and heat and a roof. And um, their sleeping cabin community came out of that. So that's why they're called a better tent city. And that was a really inspiring idea. And um, yeah, so, so a few of us have just sort of, um, dived into finding out more about these communities and um, yeah, doing the research. And so um, uh, there are six or seven, I, now I'm like, I don't know if I count myself, six or seven members of um, a steering committee who are working together. Um, some of us live in Coburg, some of us live in Port Hope, some of us are housed, some of us are unhoused. And um, it is, uh, quite a diverse committee in terms of um, age, experience, uh, and, you know, social location. And so um, I think it's actually a really strong um, core organizing group. Um, because of that, there's a lot of wisdom that's that's gathered around the table there. And um, we have a lot of folks who are um, really excited about what we're doing and coming forward to um, show their support and join as volunteers. We've had, um, back in September, we had a kind of a community information meeting and um, there were 55 people who, who gathered at that. So um, there's definitely, um, you know, there's, there's that core group that right now is meeting weekly and in, in touch quite a bit as we, um, you know, try to get the word out and try to move forward with this project. And then there's there's um, this wider um, group of support as well. Talk to me about the tour that's going on. Yeah, so um, right now we have a demo, a demonstration sleeping cabin that is on wheels on a trailer and um, we're taking it around in the community. 
Um, it's been it's been parked in various locations. It's been parked at Grace Church in Port Hope and at the YMCA in Coburg and is currently at um, St. Andrew's Church on King Street in Coburg. And um, this is a cabin that was originally built um, in Kingston by Our Living Our, Our Livable Solutions in, in Kingston. And um, I think they made it before they built their um, sleeping cabin community for basically the same purpose, just to to move it around, to show it to folks in the um, around the city, and get conversations going, and um, so it's been really it's been really great to have that here because it just answers so many questions right away. As soon as someone sees it, someone as soon as someone steps inside it, they can go, "Oh, okay, I see, I see it, I get it. This is you know, this is going to be great. This is going to be someone's little spot. I can imagine that." Um, and it has also been a great um, way to to connect with the community and have people come out and um, meet us, meet members of the collective, ask their questions, and um, yeah, get a feel for for what what it is that we're pitching. So um, I don't know that that the cabins that we end up building will be exactly like this demo, you know, demonstration cabin. I don't know if the roof pitch will be the same or if the, you know, insulation will be the same style. Um, but, but it gets the idea out there. And um, just having just having this on the, you know, on the side of um, Elgin Street or King Street, you know, in these busy, <clears throat> in, on these busy streets, um, I think is helping to, to just like draw the attention to this project. And, um, You've mentioned now a couple of times uh, Kingston, and yeah. I, I know that uh, they've moved locations now a couple of times with the, with uh, the cabins. They've been in one location, then they've been real more recently been moved again. Um, it, and it's very clear in anything you read about it that uh, everyone emphasizes this isn't a permanent solution. Um, but also, Kingston City Council gave financial support. Um, it it bought five cabins for $125,000. It's, it's offered lands. It, it's, um, it's certainly taken a, a big role, but there's also been concerns about public safety and there's been a lot of debate. What lessons are you taking away from Kingston's experience that you think will apply here yeah, that's a great question. Um, first, what comes to mind is that um, Kingston is a really different community in a lot of ways. And um, there is just like a much greater number of people um, living unhoused and unsheltered in, in Kingston than there are in in Northumberland. And, and that has been the case for a long time. Um, in terms of the public public feedback and concerns about public safety, I, I personally haven't heard that about the sleeping cabin community. I know that there is um, some real stress about um, the number of, of folks living unhoused, um, particularly in one um, location in, in Kingston. Um, the sleeping cabin community there is actually located um, in both, so it has a summer location and a winter location. So as you said, they they move around, and um, and both of those locations are um, 
are pretty pretty far out from from you know nearby um resources and also um you know neighborhoods they're not they're not right in um in neighborhoods in the same way i also i based so I, i've been to visit the kingston location and um there is 24-hour staffing there and they almost all of the residents are seniors I, I just, I don't, I don't know. Are, are you aware of, of concerns on the, like on the sleeping cabin community itself, or is it more about the unhoused population there? I, I just saw a lot of debate going back and forth about the encampments, about the, the cabins as a solution, various letters to the editor and uh, right. things going back and forth. And, and I, it, you know, obviously it, it's been a, a, a point of public debate. Um, so I, I guess what I was just interested in was, you know, watching that kind of public debate. We saw some public debate uh, back in the summer. And I, you know, I, I guess my my larger question then to you, if we're going to talk about this, is how do you garner public support beyond this tour? I mean, there's some people who might look at it and say, look, this is just a, another encampment without the tents. So and it still poses many problems. I mean, you still have issues like the ones that were raised back in June, you know, the policing concerns, the staffing and, and the responsibilities, all those things that we talked about back in the summer, I think still seem to apply, you know, bylaws and all those kinds of things. So I guess my question to you is, is how do you, how do you address that going into this front end to reach your goal? Yeah. I mean, certainly, certainly you're not going to please everybody, but I think that, um, overwhelmingly we've, we've, um, heard from people who feel that not enough is being done on this issue, um, right now. And, um, a like whatever the status quo is, it is not working. So whether, um, whether you're someone who feels, um, a lot of compassion for people who are on this, on the streets right now, whether you feel, um, fear or anger towards those same people um the status quo is not is not addressing your feelings on that on that matter and so um i think that it's important to to keep in mind that that the sleeping cabins is is you know it's a solution it's it's one of a number of alternatives that that could be put into place and it's not going to solve everything um and also, it, I think it is going to make a difference both for the individuals who will ideally be be housed and and experience that stability and safety um, as a place to to move on and move forward from. And I think it's going to make a, a difference in the neighborhoods too. I think that um, you know in Kingston they have a this sleeping cabin community of of ten cabins and. Um, that is actually a relatively small proportion of the number of people who are currently un unsheltered in Kingston. If if you had a community of 10 people who were moved out of tents and, and into the sleeping ca cabins in Coburg, that would actually make a really significant um, dent in the number of people who are outside right now. So um, I think that it is, um, it's, it's something that um, 
that is that is worth doing. I think that the that the for the people who are outside right now in the winter. I don't think anybody doubts your good intentions. I I I mean I I understand that, and I I know you have people who support those good intentions, but the last round in the summer, um, you know, there were police concerns. And there right. were costs that were raised at, at municipal council. There were bylaws that would have to be changed to allow this to exist. And when you look at those political conundrums, how do you, how are sleeping cabins going to make a difference and possibly get politicians to and and uh, leaders to change their minds so that this can get done? Right. Okay. Um. As far as as police, um, in the summer, what was talked about was to have a twenty four hour police presence on on site of an encampment. Um, so far, the other communities um, in Kitchener and in Kingston, they don't they don't have a twenty four hour police presence. Um, they do have some kind of uh, staffing in place. You know, they have different models, but um, there is staffing and and support available on site um, that I think is is um, you know, is helpful for a variety of reasons and obviously is much less costly than having police on site 24 seven. Um, the bylaw situation I think is different um, once you're talking about these small residences rather than than tents. And, and for the most part so far, we haven't been really looking at, um, you know, public properties that, that would um, you know, like a park, for instance, that has rules against people um, staying in them 24 hours a day. So um, I, I think that, that, you know, there might be certainly like zoning type of bylaws that might have to be looked at in, in particular cases. Again, it's one of those things where we don't know what the property will be and what those needs will be. But I think that overall, um, the... Uh, um, Overall, you know, the, the, the concept of housing first, which says that once someone is housed, they can begin to look at other aspects of their well-being. And until someone is housed, um, they aren't able to really, you know, appropriately address other aspects of well-being. Um, that's that's um, a really evidence-based principle that is, is being implemented um, across the sector right now. And, and I think that um, while we haven't met with with police um, officials in any municipalities at this point, that is on our on our list, and we've reached out and look forward to to meeting and and talking about um, what um, you know what this looks like for them or or what they imagine from a sleeping cabin community. Um, I think that the, you know the principles of housing first and knowing that people are um have a safe and stable living um situation would lead to less police involvement than than otherwise some people listening might wonder how this is a better solution than transition house or the current system yeah what the county offers with emergency shelter at transition house um it just doesn't work for everyone and so some people have um, specific experiences in their background that mean that they have a really hard time sleeping in a room full of other people. Um, some people are in a couple and they want to stay together as a couple and that's how they feel safest. That's what makes them feel at home. So they, um, 
more or less may may choose not to take up that that service simply because it, it doesn't meet that need. Um, other people have been at Transition House and they um, may have been asked to leave um, for for some reason. They may have run out their stay um, and and stayed there for the, for the full 90 days and then have to um, move on from there. And, and that's the only emergency shelter. Um, my understanding currently is that Cornerstone is full and, and, and they aren't, you know, they don't have space for any women coming in right now. And I know someone who is about to leave at, at Cornerstone because her time has, has run out and she doesn't have an option and she's worried about it because there's snow on the ground now. So, um, I think that, that again, it, that this sleeping cabin community, it's, it's, it's one alternative. It's, it's, um, an additional possible solution for some people. And I think the idea that Transition House should be the solution for all um, people who are who are unsheltered right now in Northumberland County is is too much for for um, for one you know organization and and one location that that offers dorm style residences for three um, months you know that's that's one solution that we absolutely need and uh we're glad it's there and also there's there's a need beyond that as well the county is responsible and as we saw back in the summer their attitude is pretty clear if people want housing they need to come to us they also argue that some people who don't want help and wish to remain where they are so that's their choice um, they also turn look at mental health issues, and this is a reason. How, how, from your collective's position, how do you do? You guys respond to the county's attitude? Yeah, I mean, I'm open to the idea that maybe that attitude may have shifted with a new slate of um, county councillors coming in. Um, it would it would be um, great to see each one of those um, county council members um, really actively participate as um, kind of representatives of of the community that each one of them is the mayor of. Um, I think that um, I think that it it would be. Um, great if some of those decision makers at the county, the county level really engaged um, with what's going on um, in the county with this issue and, um, you know, seeking information and, and resources both from within the county staff and the county services and also from um, others who are working outside of that silo and just to <clears throat> better understand um, where the gaps are. And so, um, you know, we're, we're, we're one small collective and there's, there's a bunch of other um, really great organizations doing really good work in the community. And um, I think that, uh, both the you know the the government and and county level services are really necessary and also that those you know non-government um 
services agencies supports are are really necessary too and so um ideally we can work together to try to um meet meet some needs uh, you know and and i think i think it would be ideal if um if you know any level of government was open to seeing what more they could do or how they could um smooth the way for for new ideas or new um you know solutions to to um come forward and to flourish and um that I think the idea that the county's there and people can come and seek um their help when they need it is um is not you know it's not the most proactive and it's not responsive to the to the needs that you know the citizens of this county are seeing right outside their own front doors and so um yeah I'm hopeful that the conversation that has been taking place recently um here will have perhaps um moved the ball forward um from from where we heard that it was back in the summer and um that even through this campaign period um you know issues around homelessness came up time and again and affordable housing um was another big big issue that people are really expressing concern about and so i think that sometimes an an election campaign period can be like a great time for for educating everybody and and for folks to hear perspectives um you know that are different than their own or or experiences that are different than their own so i i'm hopeful about um where the county is going and and i i think that the citizens of the county are really concerned and compassionate and so i think that that bodes well as any county staff or any of the politicians come to look at your sleeping cabins while they were on tour that's a good question i don't think any um, we do have meetings set up with various levels of municipal but, staff. Uh, I know you're going to meet with them, but I'm asking you, have they taken yeah. any initiative to come to you <laughs> and look at the sleeping cabins? Yeah, I believe um, Deputy Mayor Nicole Beattie in Coburg and um, Councillor Claire um, Wadwani in Port Hope and um, the, the, um, the new mayor in Port Hope, Olena. Um, has have have visited and been in touch and are are interested in what the sleeping cap might have to offer to their municipalities. We've also had visits from former um, uh, municipal officials. So, um, but yes, I I think that's I think that's okay. so. What's next? Hmm. Well, what's next is. Um, hopefully uh, uh, landing a location. We're looking for a location that is approximately 100 by 200 square, um, sorry, 100 by 200 feet that could be host to um, about 10 cabins. And um, as I said, we've been having meetings and those conversations are moving forward. So I'm, I'm really optimistic that um, very soon we'll be moving into the next phase that is you know, looking at a specific location and seeing what are the needs there, what are the zoning requirements, um, what are the 
electrical and construction requirements and and basically moving into that that physical building and at the same time um working on building the community of folks who might who might take up residence in these sleeping cabins so if i'm someone who's listening and i'm interested in helping out what do i do yeah please um whether you're interested in in helping out or you're interested in um potentially taking up residence in a sleeping cabin um you can message us on our facebook account that's a great way um, to start the conversation and um, our facebook page is facebook.com slash northumberland cabins with an s at the end megan sheffield i want to thank you so much for talking to me today yeah thank you very much that was megan sheffield a member of the steering committee for the northumberland sleeping cabin collective i want to thank my guests this week for talking to me and i want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.